0: Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Well, welcome everybody. Uh, Welcome to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen, and I am your host. I am joined, I'm getting self-conscious because every time I start an episode, I'm saying I'm joined by a good friend, but it's sincere. It's not in the Facebook sort of way. And this is a gooder friend even than most, because uh, I owe a lot uh, to our guest today for her persistent invitation. Ms. Jessie Carey is with us. How how are you, Jessie?
1: It's great to be here. You didn't call me an old friend, so that's really good. I
0: didn't. Yeah. I was like, uh, tried that once. Uh, reference the pastoral conference of 2021. Okay. So, Jesse, you are the director, national director of the Pro Sanctity Movement. Normally, we kind of do the, like, tell your story, but, like, I think there's a lot of people who who don't know what Pro Sanct- the Pro Sanctity Movement is, so let's start there, and then we can go back to talk a little bit about your story. So tell us about your day job.
1: Yeah, the Pro Sanctity Movement is a movement of the church that is open to all people, and the whole mission is to promote the call to holiness, so let people know that they are called to be saints and hopefully give people helpful tools that they can use um, in their journey and also to journey together. Um, It's impossible to go to heaven alone. And so as a movement, we want to sort of encourage and invite people along on that journey.
0: I love that. It is impossible to go to heaven alone.
1: Yes. I don't think it's ever, it's never happened.
0: That's great. And aptly named movement, Pro Sanctity. Very, yes. We're going to help you recognize the call to holiness and hopefully help you get there too. And Jesse, you are, I just think, I think this is very cool. Pro Sanctity is is a secular institute in the church. Talk a little bit about that, because I think a lot of people, I remember when we first met years and years ago, I'm like, what is that? And then as you shared, I was like, well, that's really cool. It was something new to me, and I had been kind of a nerdy uber Catholic for quite a few years at that time, and I had not heard about it. Talk about a secular institute.
1: So the Apostolic Oblites are a secular institute.
0: That's right. Sorry. Thank you.
1: Which is the consecrated women that are associated with the movement. Our founder, Bishop De Quintel, was a canon lawyer. So he tried to figure out how many different sorts of ecclesial organizations he could found that were unique and different. Um, so they're hard to explain.
0: <laughs> well, we all have our hobbies. Yes.
1: So the movement started um, in 1947 in, in Rome. And it really started as small groups, small groups that would meet all over Rome and work to um, support each other and encourage each other in their journey of holiness. And as they developed, there was, among other people involved, a group of young women who really felt a call to a deeper involvement and to dedicate their whole lives to supporting the prosanctity movement, the small groups, the mission, the multiplication of the small groups. And our founder at that time also could see a need for greater stability and continuity. Mm -hmm. The nature of the lay is that there's a lot of transition. They move, they have different circumstances. And so the movement being dependent totally on lay people who don't have the same kind of stability that consecrated people have.
0: Tell me about it. (laughs)
1: Our founder could see the, the value and need for a stable force. And so that's really the formation of the Apostolic Oblates, yeah. which is a secular institute. So we're consecrated. We take vows, the same as sisters, religious sisters do, of chastity, poverty, and obedience. And then we take a promise of apostolate, which gives us availability to the movement and to the spreading of it. But our call is to be hidden and immersed in the world. Like yeast and bread, secret agents, different names.
0: Right. Hence the secular. Exactly. Yeah, hence the secular. Which if there's anybody's like, what? Jesse seems so nice. I didn't know she was secular. No, it's like in churchy language, secular is like in the world. Exactly. Not like an evil worldly sort of thing. Not
1: secularism.
0: Which often has the negative context is often how we use it in church speak.
1: Yes. We're lay just going about the day and the church really sees secular institutes as um, Pope John Paul talks about them as this laboratory for holiness. So because we're in the world, we have similar circumstances of other laity. However, we have a formation and a support system in our daily prayer life, our community members, other ways of formation that are provided for us that the laity may not have access to. Yes. And so we have uh, this richness of formation that allows a life of holiness, hopefully, to flourish. But the goal is really that it can be something that then we can say, hey, this is really helpful for me in my journey. Right. And A toolkit. I live in the world like you live in the world. So maybe you'd like to try this with me Um, and we can we can really have that sort of laboratory happening in our community life and in our
0: secular institutes. Yeah, I love it. It's all of the formation that priests and religious would have access to, but with a a routine and a rhythm of life that is very similar to your average layperson, Yep, which is a perfect jumping off point because what we want to talk about today is prayer. I mean, to be honest, sometimes this is a difficult conversation. For lay people, because understandably so, those of us uh, who are, you know, living lives with families and work obligations, the people that we listen to in prayer, often, particularly if you think about, you know, like some of the the rich tradition in the church, our prayer masters often happen to be consecrated, secluded from the world, uh, monks, nuns, r- religious, uh, priests. And there's something special about the intersection of your vocation where you're like, well, I I actually know some of the strain and stress that you all feel. So let's talk about prayer. Uh, If I can, I'll try and set the stage for us here. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say most of our listeners would self-describe as disciples, even missionary disciples. What's the difference between the prayer of a disciple who would also recognize themselves to be missionary?
1: Well, that they recognize themselves to be missionary because, quite frankly, all of us who are baptized have this invitation and call and capacity already within us. Whether we've ever taken a class or watched a webinar on how to lead a small group or how to evangelize someone, it's in us already. So, simply the awareness makes it more accessible and easier to use. And hopefully, some of the tools that we gain um, make us. More effective sometimes, or at least have an um, attentiveness that we might not otherwise have. But every disciple is a missionary disciple.
0: I'll say more about that, because I think I appreciate the distinction that Pope Francis makes between like, okay, we should, you know, not just think of ourselves as disciples, but missionary disciples. And I think he's trying to awaken people, you know, to this universal call to mission. But I also really appreciate what what you're saying here is like. Yes, but everybody is, at least in capacity, a missionary disciple. Say a little bit more about that.
1: I love that section of the joy of the gospel of Pope Francis when he talks about, it's in paragraphs 120 and 121, he talks about this tension that we experience of, well, I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. And then he says, go out anyway, but make yourself ready. And I think that that's just this beautiful place where, quite frankly, we... All find ourselves. There's no day that you get ready, and now you are are done, and you have you have the tools and the capacities and the wisdom and experience that you need. Um, We're always going to be surprised, and that's actually what um, a life of prayer is most essential for, because those surprises are something that the Lord is already providing grace and the presence of the Holy Spirit to do amazing things. We actually are very small. The Lord is is so much bigger than we really give him credit for or notice. And so, our littleness isn't isn't an impediment to becoming and being and living as missionary disciples. Sometimes it's our greatest asset.
0: Amen. As you're talking, I'm drawn back to my early years as a missionary. I went through this early period as a missionary where I think I was I was exceptionally fruitful because I knew that I didn't know what I was doing. Well, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing and I knew the Lord had to do it. And so my reliance upon him was a little deeper, more profound. It was certainly just more conscious. And then I went through this weird period where I felt a little bit more comfortable and I felt a little bit more capable. And that actually presented a little bit of an obstacle. I had to kind of rediscover the, I don't really know what I'm doing and I can't do this without your help, Lord. I had to kind of rediscover that in some of my latter years as, as a missionary.
1: And even our mistakes, the things that we would consider really errors are things that the Lord wants to use. This summer, this really spectacular grace came about um, specifically through what we might consider a mistake. So we had this giant pile of mulch delivered to our property before camp started. We run a summer camp for girls and we were getting the property ready. And we use it in preparation for, for camp, making it beautiful, getting things ready. So we had a work day prior to camp.
0: Do you use the girls or the mulch? Is this a labor camp?
1: Girls have mulch at camp before. I can't deny that. Voluntarily.
0: <laughs> Sorry, just teasing.
1: Not that kind of camp. Not that and kind of camp. We'd had a work day, got rid of a lot of it, but we still had a fair pile and camp was approaching quickly. And so I was putting out a little SOS of uh, anyone who's able to come and help spread some mulch around. We have some areas that we really needed it. And so please just touch base. Well, I went outside one day and... The mulch was gone. And I thought, oh, how nice. Somebody came and took care of that, assuming that they had talked to somebody about where to put it. Then I, one of my sisters came around the corner and asked her who came out and put the mulch where we needed it. And she said, I didn't talk to anybody. Oh. So we started to wonder where the mulch went. And we found it back in the playground, which was not where we needed it. That was very sufficiently mulched already. And It was in the opposite direction of where, in fact, we were hoping that it would end up. And so there were these little piles. They hadn't been spread out yet all over the playground of our mulch pile. (laughs) And so as I went about my day, kind of telling Jesus, like, I didn't really have time to move the mulch before. Now it's a lot further away and in the wrong spot. What do you want to do? There's this beautiful invitation just to ask Jesus, like he is never gonna allow something that he doesn't have a plan of love and redemption for us. Like this is somehow a gift. And so that was really my question for him. Like, how is this your gift to me today? (laughs) And I wasn't immediately sure, but that evening I found myself with a little time after dinner and I hadn't worked out yet. And so Jesus said, We're gonna go move some mulch. (laughs) And so I got a wheelbarrow and a shovel and started moving the mulch with Jesus. And I said, well, what are we moving this mulch for? Everything we do every day, the Lord invites us to offer it to Him and with Him. And then He's going to use it to totally change the world. And so there was this very clear invitation to ask Jesus what particular intention. And so as He shared that with me, I... Just was really grateful, like, okay, here, this is why we're moving the mulch. We're going to pray for this intention and move the mulch. And we started, as I started moving the mulch little pile by little pile to the opposite side of our property, I noticed this great joy and gratitude. Yeah. First of all, for the mistake, like I was just noticing this desire in my heart to receive the gift of generosity of this man who came and put the mulch. Not exactly where I wanted it to be, in the wrong spot. But he did it as this act of service, this act of love and generosity. Mm -hmm. And I do all sorts of things all the time that I intend to be really nice for people that are perhaps not appreciated, Mm -hmm. whether because they're just not able to receive them at the time or they're super unhelpful. Oh, I thought I was being helpful. No, You put the mulch in the wrong spot. And... So just the desire to be able to receive this gift as Jesus receives every single one of my gifts, whether they're super useful or really unhelpful.
0: (laughs) In the wrong spot. Yeah,
1: exactly. And so that in and of itself was just this place of gratitude and appreciation and just noticing Jesus receiving my poverty and the ways that I don't do everything right Mm. um, very often. And uh, that he'll still use that and he'll still do something with it. That's really profound and redemptive. Yeah. And so as I'm moving this mulch, I'm grateful for that and offering this intercession. And there's this like secret, I'm moving this pile of mulch and the whole world is being changed. I don't know what Jesus is doing, but he's going to use this and it's going to be fruitful Because that's what an apostolic oblate is. We're consecrated to redemptive love. So whatever we do, when we give it to Jesus and unite it with him, he redeems the world. And it's actually a living out of any baptismal call. So every baptized person has the same capacity. Everything we do when united to Jesus becomes redemptive. It becomes part of his redemption of the world. So you change a diaper, you take out the trash. You move a pile of mulch and the whole world can be changed. And when we're attentive to that, then in the ordinary circumstances of our daily life, really, really great miracles can happen.
0: Jesse, I I love that. My mind is kind of exploding in, in a thousand different directions. I'm noticing the way you're just in conversation with the Lord. You're like, Lord. The mulch is in the wrong place. What do you want to do with it? I loved how often you said, "We, we are moving the mulch," and so you're just presenting your your need to the Lord, entering into conversation, and then attentively watching. Right, so just the simple invitation was like, "All right, well, why don't we move the mulch?" I just love the the conversation and the invitation and the faith that. This is not a problem for Jesus. Cuz that's the hard part. I think we so often assume when something goes wrong, when the mulch is the wrong place in our life, that this is like, you know, beyond redemption, beyond the reach of God's love. Like Jesus is like, "Well, I'm sorry. Do you know what's going on? There's earthquakes and there's floods and there's hungry people. I'm sorry." I f- It's a surprise to him. Yeah, like it like it caught him off guard.
1: No, it was this great gift that he wanted to give me. Yeah. Yeah. And so as I'm with Jesus and we're moving the mulch, all of a sudden I have this memory from when I was a college student, kind of as I was discerning my vocation, I had this idea of what marriage was going to be like as I was imagining my life. i That's what I thought my vocation was going to be. And I have this image of like, oh, of course, every morning we'll get up and we'll go running. Because as a college student, I was doing that daily in my life. And at a certain point, we'll have children. And so we'll have this like little jogger, stroller, and we'll go running with the baby.
0: That's what it is for me. I
1: <laughs> and I have this memory of this image of this idea that I had as a college student. As I'm Pushing the mulch in the wheelbarrow up the hill, I thought, well, this is not exactly the fruitful expression of my vowsal relationship. Mulch is not a baby, but there's real fruitfulness in the world as a result of this relationship with this communion with Jesus. And Jesus fulfilled the desires of my heart super abundantly beyond what I could have ever asked or imagined. So every desire as a child, as a college girl, imagining what my life might be depending on what vocation I chose, the desire since he has super abundantly surprised me in um, an infinite number of ways and provided like I'm going running, bearing fruit in the world with my spouse in this moment. And so there was just this invitation as we stay with Jesus in our day to live a greater mystery of communion and redemption in every circumstance.
0: Yeah. What, what I love about this is like, this is not like this, prof- this profound communion with the Lord isn't happening in the chapel. It isn't like, you know, you're like, you're outside, but it's not a walk on a, you know, on a warm spring day. Like there's, you know, it's, you're moving mulch to and fro. Sweaty and dirty and yep. <laughs> yeah, which is not unlike uh, some moments in marriage and family life. Exactly. That's awesome.
1: And the invitation is just to be with him. Now that does not happen. It does happen as a gift. Like it really is a gift. Mm-hmm. We don't work really hard and, uh, to cultivate our prayer life to, to have this like goal. But this is the fruit of just ordinary daily conversation with the Lord. It's mm-hmm. not complicated. It's not hard, yeah. um, but we do need to take the time to do that. Yeah. If spouses never have time together alone to share, to be with each other, they're not going to multiply their family life. Mm-hmm. They're not going to have conversations in the midst of other activity. And so every single person, we have this need and this desire to be alone with the Lord every single day. Mm-hmm. And one of the fruits of that is that then we can be alone with the Lord all the time.
0: The, the richness of Kim and I, my, my wife, the richness of our kind of quick touches, quick phone call or whatever, that kind of rests on a foundation of the deep regular conversations we're, we're able to have. Uh, and the frequency of the quick touches tends to wane when we haven't had those and the quality of those ten, tends, to, tends to wane if we haven't had the more substantial times to, to be together, to listen, to share. Jesse, I, I suspect a lot of our listeners experience a tension between work, family, parish ministry, other responsibilities. You share, right? you have an active, full, in-the-world life. How do you handle the, the tension between those responsibilities and a desire for real prayer?
1: Uh, the first thing really, I think, is the the invitation to ask Jesus for that gift. Hmm. If I try to do it by myself, prayer can easily become the last part of my day or um, something that's part of my list to check off. But God wants us to be in relationship with him infinitely more than we want to be in relationship with him. He desires that so much.
0: Yeah. I love that. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, to hear you're like, wow, it's like she's treating Jesus like he's a real person. Like he's <laughs> a, like real, a real, real friend, Right. You know, I mean, all of us, I think, have had that experience where we want to connect more deeply with a friend. And it's hard when it's all on you. If you're always the one who has to make the invitation and here Jesus, he's like the best friend and all of your good intentions that maybe don't quite manifest to like, oh, I'm going to call and we're going to get together. Jesus always calls. Always. He always makes time. And he is that friend who knows that you want to get together. You have the good intention, and he's the friend who helps make it happen,
1: yep. So I think the first thing we just have to ask, um it's it really is beyond us to to order our day, to order our life mm-hmm. in, in a way that really is according to the plan of our heavenly Father. But Jesus can do that for us, and he desires to give us that gift,
0: yeah, thank you for saying that. I just feel like I just want everybody to listen that just like, you're acknowledging that what maybe seems basic, okay, can I go get a plan, get a schedule together. Um, our ability at the deeper level to organize and orchestrate our life, to make space for God, to truly be you know, in line with all that he has for us, that really is beyond us. We actually need his help for the most basic things. I find that very freeing.
1: And that limitation that we have isn't a limitation that he has. Like it's not a problem for him. Yeah. It's something that he already has a solution for and he's already created space for. Um, he has a plan uh, for each of us to grow in relationship with him from exactly where we are.
0: So practically, just a few little like right pro tips here. How do you make space for the Lord in prayer? Or, I mean, to, to your point, how do you recognize the space that the Lord is making for you, the invitations he's offering?
1: The asking makes a huge difference. One of the things that um, is an encouragement of St. Ignatius and many other saints is to ask for specific graces. And certainly the Lord wants to respond to the desires of our hearts and the things that we ask for. But if we think about it, like God's giving us those things anyway. He's pouring upon and lavishing upon us. What's the difference? We have a capacity to receive and to notice and to be aware of those graces as we ask. And so that asking like Lord, where is the space tomorrow for me to pray? Let it be really simple. You don't have to figure out the plan for the rest of your life. You don't have to figure out the fact that well, in 2 days my kid's schedule is going to be this. Today it's this and that might change all the time. Where is tomorrow a space that the Lord that you can be available to meet the Lord in prayer? And to keep the plan really simple, pick a gospel and start at the beginning and just read a section, pray with it, pause with it, tell Jesus about what's going on.
0: have a conversation and specifically to ask him like lord where where's the time? I don't see the time in my schedule exactly. I find when I do that, Jesus makes space like he cancels appointments for me and he does things and and then gently you know because then I'm usually, annoyed or freaked out or distracted by the change and he's like ah, this is the time <laughs> it reminds me that this is the space that he's made
1: I'm really convinced that that everybody has 30 minutes a day for prayer for relational prayer when I was a college student I was also working as a youth minister in a parish and I sought spiritual direction and the priest said I'll meet with you but you got to pray a half hour a day and I literally, like, wrote out 168 hours and figured out my week in order to make 30 minutes a day.: Yes. As a college student, I wasn't as busy as I thought I was. Uh, but what I discovered was I had more time.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: The moment I started to pray, I actually had more yeah. time. And really since that moment, I have not had a day. Yeah, where I didn't have 30 minutes. It might be later than I wanted to. I might've missed the first opportunity and the second opportunity and the third opportunity that the Lord gave me. But every single day, mm-hmm. He's given me that space. On World Youth Day trips, on other pilgrimages, the mm-hmm. in crazy other circumstances, during camp, when we have girls here all the time.
0: Moving mulch.
1: Sometimes when we're moving mulch. And sometimes it... It requires, like, during camp, we have to help each other. I have to say, hey, yes, can I go right now and take that prayer time? And so, particularly for those who are married, your spouse is co-responsible, yes, to help you find that time. Absolutely, um, that's a gift and a commitment that you um, can make for each other and to offer each other um, that space each day. Hey. I can't do this without your help. Um, Jesus is helping me, but He's giving me you as my helpmate to heaven um, to help provide for this. And so that's a conversation, also that that can be really helpful.
0: Yeah, I, w- I want to lean on the you know the husbands uh, and fathers that are that are list- listening here. Like, I mean, that's what yeah, that's what I I have to do as a gift for my wife. Uh, particularly on the weekends, we have a morning routine that we're able to make space for each other. But very frequently, I have to run interference and get the kids, you know, off doing something else just to make space so Kim can pray. And she has to not be afraid to ask me for that. And, and, and I have to generously offer, offer that.
1: And it's okay if it's messy. Something might work for three weeks, and then it doesn't work anymore. And something else will come up. The consistency is really, as a fruit of prayer, is really that it's daily. Um, it doesn't have to be the same hour, the same time, the same circumstance, and let it be creative. The Lord has, the Lord's infinitely more creative than we are um, and has spaces in our house. I have directees who pray in the back of their closet or drive the van around to the other side of the block because that's the only time they can be alone, um, so. So be creative.
0: Yeah. Kim used to drive. Yeah. She used to put the baby in the car seat and she used to drive till he'd fall asleep and then, you know, pull over in the Walmart parking lot and just get some time in prayer.
1: Yep. There's, there's no, all these sort of ideas of rules that we have of this is what it needs to be like. And this is what it, um, really letting the Lord give us the gift of, of time with him, um, receive the date that he has already prepared for us. The coffee outing or whatever it is, that space in our day and, and say yes to it.
0: Jesse, I want to talk about the role of scripture in prayer. And I've said this before as kind of like, I, I was like, I almost feel bad about it, but trying to make the case, I think for people who are sometimes intimidated by scripture, um, make the case that, no, there's something about praying with scripture. That's actually, it almost feels odd to say this. It's just more efficient. This is where the Lord speaks, and if you'd like to have a conversation with the Lord, which is what prayer is about, go to where He speaks, and and that's and that's Scripture. Talk about what's what's your experience of Scripture in your prayer.
1: Well, I think that um, you're absolutely right. There is something that's that's essential and rich. Um, Sometimes it's a jumping-off point to a conversation that the Lord's waiting to have with us, but it really helps us to. To stay with him and be with him and start with him. Prayer helps our whole mind and and our whole reality be conformed to Jesus. And scripture is a a particularly fruitful way that this can happen. Our minds are not perfectly formed um, and we have erroneous ideas in them. All of us do. And so uh, going to scripture and starting with scripture is the living word of God. So the Lord knows, think about this. He knows that I'm going to choose or be at this part of the gospel of Luke today, as I go sit down for my prayer. And from all eternity, he knows what's going on in my life and what circumstances are unfolding and what I'm worried about and what I need. And He's infused this living word of God with exactly what I need today to receive. Slash. Um, and that's inexhaustible and it's consistent and it's universal and it's always true. Even when the scripture feels like it's maybe not super alive today, that we, we go to the word of God with confidence that Jesus has something to say to me. And it's not me As everybody else, but it's me personally and particularly in the specific circumstances of my day. And it's stunning how fruitful and how often the Lord has this specific word that seems generic that he's told a bunch of other people, uh, but it only sounds like this to me. His voice is unique for me, and I have a capacity to hear him in a way that nobody else does.
0: Yeah, I feel like that confidence is the key as I've been blessed to be able to accompany people learning how to pray um, and beginning to to use scripture in their prayer. That's the key. When you come with a, an expectation of faith that the Lord is alive and that he wants to say something to me through his word. He does. He does. Yeah. Jesse, I want to talk about two, two other things. We, We were really, We were drawn to a Mother Teresa quote as we were kind of like getting started and and chit-chatting before we started the podcast. Uh, And I want to share it with our listeners because it's so beautiful. It says, the fruit of silence is prayer. The fruit of prayer is faith. The fruit of faith is love. And the fruit of love is service. And the fruit of service is peace as i listen to that and we'll uh, we'll put it in the, in the show notes for our listeners equip.archomaha.org what i think about this is almost kind of reverse engineering it as you told this story about the mulch you see how your service was providing this deep peace for for you and you know it kind of began with a love and a reception of this slightly misplaced gift and this faith that like okay the lord has somehow somehow means to use this misplaced mulch as a gift for me. I think that the, the challenging thing for many of us today is that first line, right? The fruit of silence is prayer. And that's the one thing we feel like we don't have today. Can you speak a little bit to how you find silence as a lay person in the world today? Because that's, that's, that's kind of the prerequisite of prayer. How do you find silence?
1: yeah I think that that is a real challenge that we have. um we're not used to having silence. We have these devices with us all the time, filling our minds and are capturing our attention and they're actually engineered in order to catch our attention and keep our attention all the time
0: uh-huh. shout out for the uh, the uh, documentary
1: the social dilemma
0: the social dilemma yeah, it's totally worth watching and it yeah it it explodes and lays out that idea like it's designed to be addictive, to capture as much of your attention as possible.
1: Yep. There's another book called digital minimalism by Cal Newport that I just finished reading that also, he talks about this. Um, and he talks about, he uses, um, Aristotle's Nicomachean ethics in there to talk about, um, the good life being a life of contemplation. Yes. Of, of thought of, just being satisfied to to be with ourselves mm-hmm. and the, that which is greater than us, the Lord. But silence initially, particularly if we're not used to it, is super uncomfortable. Yeah. When I was a college student working in a parish, I had a junior high girls' small group, and I was receiving so much in my prayer. And receiving so much in the silence that was being cultivated in my daily life. Mm-hmm. I wanted to share it with them. Yeah. And so I had this great idea. We're going to have 10 minutes of silence <laughs> in our junior high small group today. Yeah. And it lasted about four seconds. And then there was like giggling and this all, rest, total incapacity to be silent. Yeah.
0: And that was not, that was a while ago, right?
1: Right. 20 years ago. Yes. This is 20 years ago.
0: Yeah. That was before they all had their own personal device.
1: They didn't have cell phones. I didn't even have a cell phone. And so the the idea of having silence is something that we have to learn how to do. Yeah. We have to learn how to have that silence in our daily life. We have to create space and we have to be willing to be a little uncomfortable. When you meet somebody new, there's those people that like can say whatever, they can enter a conversation, they can talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. I am not one of those people, but being okay with the discomfort of, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say to Jesus. I'm not sure what thoughts are in my head. I'm not sure I want to know what thoughts are in my head.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Or I do know, and I don't like them.
1: And I don't like them and I don't want to be with them. Yeah. And I certainly don't want to bring them into relationship with the Lord because they're probably not what I should be talking to him or sharing with him. Right. And so the capacity just to like get through the discomfort of, I don't have my phone in my hand. Mm -hmm. I don't know who's trying to contact me. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm uncomfortable with these thoughts or I'm uncomfortable with the silence or I'm uncomfortable with not knowing mm-hmm. and just that's okay. Yeah. That's normal. It takes time. It takes practice to actually learn how to be silent and to let ourselves become still all the images in our mind, all of the things that we're bombarded with all of the time, all the stories that are going on in our heads. Yeah. Um, some are real and some are not real and just letting the lord show us how to be with him in the
0: silence. So Jesse, how do we do that? Cuz I mean that rings so true and I love the way your self-awareness, right, as as you're trying you have come to a place in your prayer where you love silence and then but just your awareness noticing, okay, wow, not everybody's here. How how do you cultivate or help someone cultivate this comfortable comfortability with silence so that prayer can can take shape.
1: So with the girls in the group, small group, we started then with 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And the next week we did a minute. And so like it's mm-hmm. okay to start small. You don't have to start out with a holy hour every single day. If you haven't been in the habit of praying at all, 30 minutes may seem massive and impossible and overwhelming. I didn't know what I was going to do with 30 minutes when I started praying mm-hmm. and it was intimidating. And fortunately, I God is really generous and he told me to start with the Bible and go for, mm-hmm. choose, a, choose a gospel. Um, but start with 10 minutes and let yourself turn the radio off in the car take little opportunities. We have two buildings on our property that we go back and forth um, from the house to the retreat center. I leave my phone in one of them when I'm going to go to the other one for a little while. Um, (gasps) Sorry, I'm really hard to get a hold of sometimes. No.
0: Yeah, no, no. That's awesome.
1: But thinking about like, oh, maybe I can leave my phone in the car. It'll be there when I go run errands later. But the next hour in my house, I don't need to be available or turned, tuned into something, these little ways that we can cultivate that space in our day, um, we actually are made for it. So after we get through the, the discomfort and the, um, fear of not knowing what's going on with somebody, um, what people had for lunch and different things like that. Yeah. Once we get past that, There really is this experience of freedom and joy and real peace that comes with having a silence be a regular part of our daily experience. And even if it's super noisy, camps going on in the summer, we have 40 girls singing songs all day long, all night long. There can be silence even in noise as the Lord cultivates this in our daily life.
0: Yeah, I love that. So Jesse, as we maybe kind of close up close up here, what would you say to someone just real practical who's feeling the call to take their prayer to another level, where would you encourage them to begin? They're like, okay, I want it, but why?
1: First ask Jesus. Jesus, I think you want this for me. What do I do? How do I start? What is it? And then just choose today. Like there's no perfect day. There's no like, once this happens in my life, I'll be able to do it. Once that Mm -hmm. happens, I'll be organized enough. Once this thing happens, I won't be so busy today. Say, okay, Lord, where do you want to meet me tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Where's my 10 minutes? Where's my 15 minutes? Where's my 30 minutes tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And just start one day at a time. Talk to your spouse, ask them for that gift. Mm. There's a couple other things that we've kind of alluded to. The digital detox, that's part of the digital minimalism. Mm -hmm.
0: By Cal Newport, right?
1: By Cal Newport, yep.
0: Yes, great book.
1: He really tells you to go off all social media, all non-essential, like you won't get fired. You'll get fired from your job or your life if you turn this off, but- Keep
0: that one on, but everything else. Keep that one on,
1: but everything else goes for 30 days. Um, So it's a great advent thing um, to do and uh, possibility. But you can also just even download an app
0: Yes, yeah,
1: that tells you how much time you're spending on the different apps on your phone. I would imagine that almost everyone would be shocked and surprised at the, the amount of time. Yeah. I did that a while ago and I don't have any social media apps on my phone to begin with. Mm-hmm. But um, just the amount of time texting people back and forth to set up meetings and schedule things and send grocery lists and different things like that is really striking, and not to mention other things that we might be doing mm-hmm. um, with our phone. Yeah. So having just like a this is the number of times you look at your phone each day, I think helps to just say, "Hey, do I really have the opportunity?" The average American, the amount of time um, spent watching television or streaming is really incredible. It's hours a day, um, and so perhaps to really consider like the priority of deepening our relationship with the Lord in relationship to all those other things. Mm-hmm. And so to say just say hey, I'm going to start tomorrow. This is the first thing that I'm going to put in my day, wherever it's going to go, whether it's actually the first thing or some other place, but it's there. Pick a gospel and and start at the beginning.
0: Yeah. All right, so ask Jesus for help, ask your spouse for help, pick a gospel and plan it like whatever it is lord where's where's my time i love it jesse thank you for thank you for being with us if somebody wants to find more information about prosanctity and the apostolic oblates where can they go
1: www.prosanctity.org okay and our upcoming events are there
0: wonderful jesse thank you uh all right everybody you've got your homework Just make a little space for the Lord. Ask Jesus where he's made space for you. Uh, Thank you for being with us, Jesse. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Great to be with you.